This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 665 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the Murdoch Method, and Trust Design. On today's show, we are going to be joined by our friend Melissa Gallagher, who talks about her experience incorporating horsemanship into her program. Wendy is back with her monthly segment, and then Emily Donaldson has a great trainer tip. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hey, Reese. How's it going? Well, my scratchy throat from last week was COVID. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I have had COVID. I still have a scratchy throat, but I am starting to feel a lot better. I'm not going to lie. I am. I, I was, you know, vaccinated, boosted all the things. I'm so thankful I was because I can't imagine how sick you would be without it. So, and I have to have a huge shout out to my assistant, Jet Jenkins. She was amazing. She basically was like, I don't want to see you for seven days. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) She was wonderful. And so she kept the barn truck in, the horses doing what they do. She's a very good rider and, and a really true assistant. So she can keep the barn moving, which was great. And all my clients were wondering, I mean, we were just, it just was what it was. And so I, I'm on the mend now, uh, but I, 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 know, I know a couple of people who also have gotten it in the last week or so. So don't let your guard down because I went to I was a speaker at one event and I was asked to go and, and I thought, oh, it'll be fine. Everyone was vaccinated. But uh, yeah, clearly somebody had it or I got it somewhere else. But that that's the logical place. I think I picked it up. So, uh, yeah, it's not it's no fun. But I have actually gotten some good reading in. <laughs> this week uh, with our book club of the month, uh, Good Horseman's Balancing Act. I'm not going to lie. I've gotten some some decent reading time and uh, I had to update my resume for for uh, my position at, at the university. So I've gotten some paperwork done. So I feel like I, um, I got worked on taxes, you know. <laughs> yeah. All, the, all, all the things that where you have to be inside and yeah, yep. you, you probably put them off and you've been procrastinating and, and there you go. <laughs> I mean, if there's any silver lining that yep. uh, kind of forced you to do those things and uh, yeah, and hopefully you continue <laughs> to get better and, and you can move on past this. And uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody just needs a reminder to be vigilant, uh, yes. you know, about mask wearing, about hand wash, like all the things, right? All I the mean, things. Yeah. Listening to them for two years. COVID's not over, so. No, no. And uh, I, you know, I've been really, and, and Philip can tell you, like, I've been super cautious, uh, but I did. I let my guard down. I went literally to one event and and inside in Florida, they were all outside. So it wasn't as, you know, they were all at the stadium or, or whatever. And and so, uh, but yeah, no, I one event here at home and boom, got it. <laughs> so, uh, so anyways, but moving forward, like I said, I've, I've had some good times with our, our book club of the month book. I hope people are, are, have gotten it and, and are enjoying it and are reading it. I think it's going to give us some things to talk about, which is always good. And, um, but we've got a great show. We, we haven't, haven't changed. I changed at our end here. Has it Phil? 
No, no, we continue to you know be booking guests, and you know um, it's very good with the technology that uh, you know uh, the COVID doesn't travel through the computer to you know to <laughs> me. I I remember when you when you um, messaged me, I was you know pretty worried, yeah. and we were yeah, just chatting, checking you know, on me, checking on her over the you know um, yeah. daily, and then and then. Yeah. So now, now we're on That's the. Friends are for. Yeah, we're <laughs> men, we're on the mend. I wish Phil had been here because he would have had some horses to ride. <laughs> <laughs> I got my own horses to ride. We're working <laughs> like it. We're kind of in the countdown to shows. I think we're about a month away. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it's, it's hard. It's hard to kind of feel the reality of it because last week it it snowed. Um, mm. You know, <laughs> but yep. uh, hopefully that that'll be the end of it, and and uh, we'll, we're we're into some better, warmer summer weather and uh we'll get going to some horse shows yeah fingers crossed and next week here is land rover so we've got lots of people coming into town it's going to be a really fun week i'm looking forward to that and then we have the derby so things uh if, if it was a time to schedule COVID, i think i i think i hit it right on um <laughs> but uh anyways well we've got a great show for everybody we hope you enjoy uh we're gonna have a, a commercial break from kentucky performance products and get right into it This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium-to-phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. And best of all, horses fueled by Equijule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have FEI rider and trainer, an old friend of ours, Melissa Gallagher, on the show. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be doing this, and I appreciate it very much. We're so looking forward to it because we were just talking. We have all been friends a very long time. We met at the Young Dressage Horse Trainers Conference many years ago. We were talking about how many, and we'll keep that off, but there were some decades potentially involved. Um, (laughs) But... You've really changed your program, which I think is cool. I think all of us, again, we've we've all been friends for you know close to twenty years, and it's fun to see how we all have sort of grown and developed into different trainers. And and I think as we all more are more mature and cultured, um, you you become a different trainer, and in good ways. I think you really learn to to do things differently, and you've incorporated a really cool part to your program and we wanted to talk about it. So I'll hand it over to you. This is so great. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I've known you guys forever and, um, and it's wonderful. And I was really young when we first entered YDHTS together and 
I still have a long way to go, but I have certainly evolved as a trainer. And I think for me, what started it was I was breeding a lot of horses. And so I had many young horses and I was on my own and I had to figure out a way to get them started basically with no help. And it was a bit of a daunting task. And I had one in particular, a little filly, that was rather tricky from the time she hit the ground. And I had been in a program where we started horses sort of like the racetrack and you would put them in a stall and you would get on and hope for the best. And it was stressful for the horses. It was very stressful for us as the riders. It just wasn't a very positive experience, I felt like, for the horses. So I talked to the woman that ran the farm. They had an old round pen up in the back and it was all overgrown and everything. And I just approached her and I had no idea what I was talking about or going to do. But I I said, would it be all right if we cleaned up that round pen and I started to work with the young horses in there? And she was really open to it, which was very nice because it was different from what they had done for 30 years. And we got the round pen cleaned up and I started to bring some of the three-year-olds in there. I think I had 12 to start that year that were not mine, but um, I reached out to a local cowboy, Roddy Strang. Many people know him around our area in Pennsylvania. And I just said, I need some help. I've got 12 young horses to start. And I also had that little filly of mine that was also on the farm. And he said, well, I've never worked with a foal, but I'm game. Let's do it. And so he came over and then he helped me with the three-year-olds. And I was a total fish out of water. I had never worked with horses in that capacity, but I sort of had to embrace the awkward and let myself learn this whole new style of horsemanship and how to get a horse to join up with you and and how to kind of read their body language and use your body language as well to communicate with them. And it opened up a whole new world. I started going to clinics with him in New Jersey at this place called Seven Springs, and they were starting clinics, and there would be different clinicianers from around the country, usually like Montana or Texas, where a lot of these really good cowboys are from. And it started, you know, Ray Hunt was sort of the grandfather of natural horsemanship, as we know it, and Buck Brandeman, who I'm a big fan of. And so I just started studying that methodology and used it to start all the young horses. And then I started incorporating it into the dressage training and how can I use this to help the older, more advanced horses because a lot of times they get anxious at shows or they have issues in the ring. And I just started incorporating it all in there. And then it became sort of, I call call it my minor, right? Dressage is my major, but horsemanship is my minor. And now I kind of even find that they're becoming more equal. And it's been a really cool experience. You know, I have to applaud you for, you know, kind of getting out of your comfort zone and saying, you know, the way that I'm doing things is not maybe the best way, right? And really, you know, look, looking at yourself and looking at your tools and, and looking at your system and saying, I think, I think it can be better. And, and, getting, and getting out of the box and maybe just going, going to a local expert, not in dressage, or not, but, but a horse person is a horse person and just mm-hmm. taking the experience and, and really saying, you know, whether it's a racehorse or a, a, a barrel racer or, you know, whatever the job is that our horses are going to do for us eventually, 
the first steps towards that and towards the interactions of being being back to what that's you know that's what we call it but but um if if that's bad the horse will not do any job right so they have to learn to trust and you have to learn to work with them and and you you know you found uh somebody to work with that that you know that you maybe admired their system or you know that that you figured it out together or you know whatever the case be may be everybody brings a different set of tools to to the experience of getting a horse started absolutely it's been a really fun journey to open up this different door that's completely opposite of kind of everything i had learned um as a young rider and a young trainer and sort of finding a totally different way to approach things with horses and communicate with them more in their language, which I think was really important for me to understand. And it turned on this whole side of empathy towards horses, which I have to say the whole process has made me a better person in a, in a way, because I, I look at a horse very differently now with, from an empathetic view, you know, how do they feel? They're not asking to do this job right? We are asking this job of them. So they don't quite understand why we ask them to dance around in the sandbox, right? And so if I can help them to understand that I'm just asking for them to partner with me, then they're not wondering what the what we're doing, right? They're just saying, I'm with my rider and we're going to do this together, whatever it is that they're asking me, because I have that trust in my rider and they're the leader. And so it's been a really fun journey to change up how I do things. Well, and I think Melissa too, I mean, we all have had horses and I, I have, I have two in my barn right now that sort of never got some of this basic education. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they honestly need it. Uh, you know, they, they, they're, it's, it's kind of a story, but you know, they, they really miss sort of this, this part of their education. And I also had a foal who this foal has been very successful. She was sold as a three-year-old um, and has won multiple USCF um, or DF championships. She was as a foal, a bear cat. I, I literally was like, Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> like, I mean, she was awful. And so I had to bring some natural horsemanship into her life and my life. Cause mm -hmm. she was quite frankly dangerous just to even be around. Right. And um, she's schooling the Grand Prix now. I mean, she's she's been oh, very wonderful. successful. It's so cool. I I, I sold her as a three year old, but the the girl that has had her has done an amazing job with her. But she was also another one that had to open my eyes because she wasn't coming in and leading like the others. I mean, she right. was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. And that's I was sort like of oh the my God. experience that I had because I got a reputation around locally around my area for oh no one will get on it. Call Melissa. Right. And that was great for a while because I, you know, I needed the income and I would get on anything, but I also want to choose life. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and just because you can ride it. I became a parent. Yeah. You're a mom. Like just because you can ride I'm it. A mom, you know, doesn't mean right. Like it truly doesn't mean just because you're just because you can doesn't mean you should or that it is good for that horse to learn that. Right. Like I think that's Very so important. So. You know, we want and even on job. the ground. Yeah, horses. You know, you know in their barn. Big. You you don't want dangerous horses in your barn that can't stand on the cross sides or be led. 
you know, especially because I then had a toddler in the barn and it was really important that I was really certain that every horse in my barn, our barn is pretty big in Pennsylvania, and that I felt that it was safe for Declan to run around the barn and not be hundred percent afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's so important that people are open to that as you're training young horses or in my case, horses that sort of miss that education in their life when they mm-hmm. were younger. Um, I think it's so important because just, just the general, it, it's just general horsemanship is what it is. And Absolutely. some of them yes. need a little extra tutelage and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think, um, again, being open to that will we always say you have to walk before you run. Your horses have to do sure. general things. Like if your horse can't walk up towards your shoulder, it's going to be very hard to get it in front of your leg when you ride it. It's Absolutely. just the way it is. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So I think you have yeah. to think about that, you know, and, 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 and explaining think about that to a lot of my students, you know, if, if you don't have a conversation with your horse that's successful on the ground, how do you think it's going to go when you get in the stirrups? 100%. And Hundred percent. Getting them to understand that building that relationship on the ground, and even though it puts, and I tell my students all the time, I was in their shoes. I was awkward when I started horsemanship. You know, how do I hold the rope? Where do I put the horse? What do I do with this flag? You know, how do I change direction smoothly? It was, it was very intimidating because I was at these clinics with very experienced cowboys, and they'd come in the ring and they'd all start doing their thing, and I'm standing there like, uh. What are you doing? Okay. I guess I'll just start doing some stuff, you know, and, and it took a long <laughs> time to get comfortable in that world with auditors and other cowboys that knew what they were doing. And cult, especially the cult starting clinics, because a lot of times I'd bring them where they've never had a saddle on their back. I would do the bridle just so that they were comfortable holding a bit in their mouth um, before I went. But a lot of times they'd never been backed and I would go to these clinics and within four days they were walk, trot, canter and hack it, little hack out. And I yeah. thought, well, geez, if I can do that in four days with a horse that's never been sat on and I feel comfortable and safe, then right. this is the ticket. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's a great gift, you know? And, and, you know, as a horse person, I mean, uh, I I knew you. I mean, we, we've known each other a while, but but this seems like it's come about somewhat recently, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to 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 be an expert, you know, that's what I would have considered you when when we met. And then and like and then like you said, uh, you had to go back and relearn everything that maybe you thought you knew. That's that's sure. probably not a that's probably not a fun process, right? <laughs> um, you know, so but it's it very takes humbling. Almost, it's yeah, humbling. Sure. Intuitiveness and, and, and whatever. I mean, you know, if somebody at one of these clinics is like, oh, you know, how long have you been in, involved in horses? Well, 20 years, 30 years. Uh, well, but, but feeling awkward, like you said, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's a testament to your belief in, in what, in what you were trying to learn and, and, and giving horses a better life. I appreciate that. I think, you know, what I, what I tried to go back to, because in the beginning it was, I was trying so hard to make a name for myself and make my career. Right. And sometimes you can get sidetracked focusing on trying to get there, trying to be successful, trying to keep your head above water in this business that is difficult to be financially secure in. And yeah, let me know when you get there. Yeah. Yes. Let me know. (laughs) You can let let, let us know the tips to to being, to being financially secure. 
<laughs> exactly. And so you're always sort of going, how do I make this all work? And how do I make this my career where I, I don't feel like I'm scraping the barrel constantly to feed the horses and, and keep this business alive. And so I found myself making little compromises in order to get things done. And then I stopped and I said, why did I do this in the first place? Why did I want to be a horse trainer? And it's because I have a deep love and respect for horses. So if I go back and remember that every single day before I work with a horse and every horse I work with, then I'm not going to compromise any of my core beliefs to keep a client that doesn't work in my program or to just, you know, have something because I need the money. And then it became more about going back and remembering why I do this and what legacy do I want to leave behind in the horse world, even if it's in my town, you know, on a very small scale. It's still important to me to keep the integrity of why I got into this intact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think just in general, I think as a trainer and and everybody that's listening, you all have coaches. And I think that happens as you, as you get older and more mature as a trainer, you're, Mm -hmm. you, you have the luxury of saying, in saying that. And I think, and you also have the luxury of saying, you know, I want to learn something new. And, um, I did the same thing. I, I, I did that with long lining. I'm still not great at long lining, but I know how to do it. And I remember, um, all of our friend, Richard Malgram is my coach for that. And, and, um, he was so kind and it was, it was, it's humbling to learn something new. So if your trainer is trying to expand and learn something new, please be kind to them. They're just learning just like you. Um, but I was awful. I couldn't hold the reins and you can never have enough tools in the toolbox. And right. You know, if, if your trainer is going off for a week or a weekend or whatever it is to, to learn something, don't, you know, don't be in a huff about it that they're not available to you. Just, uh, encourage support them, you know? Yeah. Send right. them a gift card for Starbucks. <laughs> they truly are doing yeah, exactly. that for you. But but it is true that that really at the end of the day, um, coaches, it's it's great. And and five years ago, like you said, you were so awkward, but that was that was that was important. So Melissa, we love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We love having our old friends on um and seeing what you guys are doing as we all mature as trainers. And uh, how can our listeners find you online? Well, I've got an Instagram account for Collective Roots Dressage, and we also have Facebook, and we have a website. The website is just rootsdressage.com. And we're going to be starting some pretty exciting stuff with like online subscription videos. Fantastic. Love it. Well, thank you so much, and we can't wait to uh, see as, as it grows. We love it. I appreciate it so, so much. It's wonderful to hear your voices, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you again. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, everybody had a favorite morning drive show in the days we all listened to radio. They were goofy, funny, and entertaining. You can have that again, only this time it focuses on life with horses. We are here every weekday on your podcast player. Search for Horses in the Morning and come join us. We are a little goofy, hopefully funny and entertaining, and you might learn something along the way, too. We are the world's leading daily podcast about horses since 2010, with over 2,600 episodes for you to binge on. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? Pull your phone out of your pocket, blow off the hay, and subscribe to Horses in the Morning.
Well, tonight we are so excited to have for our monthly segment, Wendy Murdoch from the Murdoch Method. Wendy, welcome back. Oh, it's always so much fun to talk to you guys. We always talk about so much stuff before we start this show. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) we need to start the tape. Exactly. We're literally like, we should start the tape. I know. Well, we're talking because you're coming to Lexington in a couple weeks and you're going to come visit me. And we started talking this. So again, we we took a turn in our discussion because um, <laughs> I was teaching some lessons the other day um, to a, a wonderful lady that came for camp for the week. And we started using the Franklin balls because she was really struggling with her canter. And um, I was, we were talking about this and it, and we started saying, I was like, Wendy, when you come to Kentucky, I want you to come and, and we're going to do a lesson. And I want you to bring all the toys because you have your new lookup glasses. I have the Franklin balls set. You know, because as I've gotten older myself as an athlete, I've aged, right? I'm a middle-aged trainer, which I hate saying, but it is the reality <laughs> of the story. <laughs> no, but you know, when you, I'm in my forties and you know, wear and tear, it, it is a real thing and, and dealing with, with body issues. And, and I also coach a lot of adult amateurs. Um, you know, they have different challenges than the kids. And so I can't wait till you come in a couple of weeks and, and you're going to bring all the, all you have all so the many tools, all the toys. <laughs> I'm like what you got Wendy? Cause I want everything. And, well, and the thing we're talking about, you know, is like you just said, you teach mostly middle-aged women and um, you know, kids, kids, you teach in a way that's very much about movement. You don't use a lot of words because they're all about movement. Their brains haven't matured. They don't actually fully myelinate until they're in their twenties. So, you know, spending a lot of time talking to kids isn't really productive as much as having kids do things right. Like if for, for example, for jumping, you just have them do a lot of grids and do stuff without their hands and on the reins and, and they figure out their balance. But when you get to adult riders, their brain is different in that they're more serious, they're more intellectual, they want more detail. But at the same time, they may not have the mobility that the kids have. And so you have a different set of problems teaching adults than you do from children. And one of the things about adults is they they want you to explain everything in grand detail. I can I can remember some clinics where it's like people have come and just want me to lecture. I'm like, no, 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 we need to be moved. things, right? But (laughs) they want the detail. But at the same time, we've got to give them more of a sense of movement because riding is movement. And it's about unifying our bodily movements with the horse or mobilizing our body in a way that directs the horse in a way he might not move. In other words, really good riders have the capacity to get on a horse because they know the movement and the horse can get the movement from the rider. Where with a lot of your AMI owners, they don't have the understanding physically of the movement, but intellectually they do. And so it's really about helping them physically feel what the movements are. And to do that, you've got to get them to move. And to get them to move, you got to make it fun. Because telling somebody to move, you know, move your left shoulder versus... A physio stick, your left shoulder is going to move whether you like it or not, but I'm not going to tell you that. Um, you know, <laughs> it's different, right? So we have yeah, to. Yeah, I think, you know, what I was saying, yeah. what I was saying is just like you have to get, you know, the more serious a person is, the more you have to get them out of their own head, right? Because they're just yeah. going to try and try and try and try and try and try and try. And sometimes that's just not helpful because. You know, they, they have, like you said, the intellectual capacity to kind of understand, even if it's something simple like get your heels down. But 
um, their body is a bit tight or, or whatever. They haven't, they haven't, or, the they, or, or because they've been sitting in a desk or yeah. sitting in a chair or working on a computer, they have habits that they don't know that are impeding their ability to do what they think they're doing what you say, but they aren't because of these habits. And so, you know, when there, I've done a lot of looking at learning, learning theory in terms of how, to, how do we learn best? Because it's the same actually for a horse as a person, in my opinion, you've got to feel safe. So, you know, some of the things like Franklin involves might make somebody a little bit scared, which is why it's important to say you can take them out anytime you want or actually say that's, you know, one minute and we take them out and go back and forth. So you got to feel safe, but it's got to be interesting and novel because we've got to get around those habits that we've formed. And so I just use the Franklin balls as an example because Reese just had that student. It takes you away from your saddle. So you can't lock into the typical habit that you have with your saddle because you're away from it and you're on an unstable surface. So your nervous system has to pay attention. So, you know, fun, uh, novel, curious, interesting. That's all the things they're telling older people to do, you know, do Sudoku, do this, do that to keep our brains alive. Well, it's that way in learning. So if we get stressed, we go back to our most habitual, easiest pattern to run. I've seen event riders turn into saddle seat riders when they got overtired because that's what they learned first. And so, you know, it's like not letting them get too exhausted, making sure it's fun, coming at it from a different way that they don't have an attachment to. So they, the brain has to pay attention. Right. And that's why all the, all the weird, <laughs> weird and wonderful things that Wendy does. <laughs> no but i mean i i you i don't know too many other instructors that that have come up with and or look for these type of techniques and tools to help you because um i never never heard of it before i met you and so i love that wendy comes up with these fun things (laughs) yeah and that's you know riding is taught uh, traditionally passed from one trainer to another and one instructor to another through it through you know our training process and you know it really spawns a lot out of the military when you think about it and but we're not dealing with people that are in the military anymore you know our primary student is somebody who is they're never going to be a professional they just want to have a really good time they're an Emmy owner you know they want to enjoy their horse they want to show they want to feel successful um uh, but it's not what they do every day. And so, um, you know, it's, I think that that's the piece that, that is so important is that if we can laugh at ourselves a little bit, if we make a mistake instead of like, oh my God, I messed up that shoulder in again, you know, it's like, okay, I messed it up again. That's okay. I get a do over, right. Um, to not take ourselves so seriously because, you know, the bottom line is when we get that serious, the horse is picking up on it. And so the horse is going, oh no, what's the matter? You know, oh, you know, there must be something to be worried about. My person is really upset. And so, you know, some horses can just go, and that's our school horses are worth their weight in gold. They can go, oh, oh yeah. yeah, well, they've tightened their leg again. Okay, I'll just keep trotting here. I'll just keep. But, you know, if when we're riding on really nice horses, they pick up on our emotions and they're like, is there a problem here? You know? <laughs> and so it's we, true. Yeah. Yeah, we, we need to think about how our emotions are impacting our horse's emotions and what he's perceiving is, is there a threat around? You're holding your breath. Is there something I should worry about? Um, and so when we laugh, when we have a good time, when we do things that are fun, 
the the horses go, oh, okay, you know, if, if you make a mistake, there's no big deal. And that's what we need to recognize is that we are going to make mistakes. Mistakes are part of learning. If you don't make a mistake, you're not learning and you're making a mistake, right? Um, that's how we learn. You you try something, it doesn't go quite right. You learn a little more about it. You do it again. Dr. Feldenkrais used to talk about approximations, first approximation, second approximation, third. Each time you get a little closer to what the thing is. But if we set out to be able to do it perfectly the first time and get upset when we don't, that poor horse, what is he thinking now? You know, oh man, what, did I do something wrong? And no. So you know, it's not just for us to keep it fun and light. It's also to allow the horses to be able to feel that more, more, um, you know, joy. I don't know that they feel joy, but less threatened is a good way yeah. to describe it. Yeah, less it. stress. Yes. We, less we, yeah. We, we all know that they feel stress, right? They, they're yeah. pretty good at, they're pretty good at, uh, at showing us that. So, uh, we, you know, yeah. we got to reduce that for them and reduce that for us. And, yeah, and all of these tools that that you have and that you use are great for for just you know learning without stress. I think that's yeah. that's the key. Yep, and I'm really excited because they just shipped the new lookup glasses. They're going to be in eight different colors. I can't We're wait. Pink to look up and red and green and purple and yellow and black. And did I miss a color? I don't know. I can't um, wait. I seriously <laughs> am really excited. When Wendy gets out of the car, I'm going to be like, please, where are they? I can't wait to ride with them. Uh, <laughs> it'll be such a good thing. Well, Wendy, as always, we love all, all, all the things. So how can we find you online? How can we find all these different riding tools and techniques? How can we find so, them? Uh, if you go to murdochmethod.com, we've actually in the banner, we put riders aids right in the banner. You can click on the button. It'll take you right to all the riders aids. Um, so you can find them there. And then uh, I, I forgot to say that the hay soakers are finally in production. Yes. We've got hay soakers. We're shipping. All and right. Yeah. Yes. Check those so, out. They look really cool. Taking a little great. longer than I planned. So I will bring a hay soaker with me when I come to your place. Yes. And, and um, I can't wait to see it. We can do yes. a demo. Yeah, oh, we're, really gonna, cool. <laughs> we're not gonna, just going to do a demo. We're, again, I'm going to be like, okay, <laughs> left-hand look at glasses, right well, maybe my whole arm, we're going to do the hay soaker. <laughs> well, wait. the beauty is the hay soaker will do itself all by itself because it's got a timer and it soaks and drains and everything. And just, you just get to feed the hay. So less, less time spent soaking hay and more time doing fun stuff. Oh, it's going to be awesome. It is going to yeah. be because we soak hay every day. So I am so oh, yeah. It's going to make well, your life easier. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Well, Wendy, as always, thank you so much for coming on and we can't wait for next month. And then we will definitely have photographic evidence of oh, yeah. the lookup glasses and all the things when you come here. Awesome. Looking forward to it, Reese. Well, Phil, you got your trust design halters as well. We were, it was so fun because when you were in Florida, we were able to unbox them together and put them on the horses for our, our photo shoot in which my boys were great. It took Philip a while to smile. That's another story, <laughs> <laughs> but you got some, uh, you got your halters and we wanted to talk a little bit about sizing. Yeah. So, um, I just, you know, you and I were just chatting and, and, you know, I've got a, we both have a variety of sizes of horses. So we just thought, you know, if you're, if people are going to order the halters from trust design, then we would, uh, kind of try to steer people in, in the right direction as far as, you know, the, the, you know, what's the regular size and, and what, what kind of horse do you need for an oversize? I love it. I love it. So I had ordered horse sizes for my guys 
And I think Big Mike, Big Mike was a little bit tight. It still fit, but I probably should have ordered him an extra large. So he's 17 one. I mean, he's a big dude. Bingo's fit really well. He's he's a pretty normal full size. How did it work at your barn? Yeah, I mean, for for the for the big guys, then of course the the oversize was appropriate. But I mean, that was only for I know it's horses with with bigger heads, you yeah. know. So for for the sixteen handers, or you know, even all the way up, I think all the way up to like sixteen two. Um, and you you know, each horse has a different size head. So we're just trying to provide a little bit of guidelines here. 16.2 and below is just a full size. Um, and anything bigger would be, you know, the extra large size. Right. And, and, you know, all the patterns are, are pretty and, and, uh, you know, they really, those, those halters stand out as, as far as on the horse or in, in the aisle, you know, which, which is which, um, very easily. So, so that's been good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll have to post some pictures of the of the horses. We would love to see them. And uh, we're going to sport one tomorrow when we head to the baby's going to the Spy Coast Young Horse Show. So he's going to wear his new halter because uh, he looks so pretty in it. So we're really excited about that. And I wanted to let everybody know about the discount code for all the HRN listeners, everybody listening to our show. If you want to order a trust design halter, you go to www.trvst dot com and to get your 10 percent discount you just uh, enter the code into the into the box as you check out the, the code is hrn both for tonight's trust design tip of the week we have emily donaldson fei rider and trainer emily welcome to the show Thank you for having me. Well, you have a great trainer tip of the week for us. So what do you have for us? So I wanted to talk about the use of the turn on the forehand and the turn on the haunches in the walk as a warm-up. It's something that I pretty much do with nearly every horse I get on. And so I think it's a great tool that people can use when they are uh, starting a young horse or warming up a more mature FEI horse um, to make the horse supple, responsive from the rider's inside leg, connect the horse to the outside rein. And it's something that you can then use throughout your ride. I'll use the turn of the haunches uh, to develop the canter transition from the walk to get the horse to engage the hind leg and carry on the hind leg. And so I recently had a, taught a clinic and I had a horse that was being a little bit tricky and, um, the rider uh, wanted to do a turn of the forehand more in place. And I said, I think the horse is too behind the leg to do that. And so I said to her, let's do what I call um, more of a moving turn of the forehand. And so I'll place the horse on a pretty much a 20 meter circle. And it's basically the application, the same age that you would use for a turn of the forehand, but you have the horse moving. And so I find it's a great way to get the horse to engage the inside hind leg bend in their rib cage off a correct bend in the rib cage and connect to the rider's outside rein. And so you can increase and decrease the size of the circle depending on, on the horse's straightness and, uh, and sort of desire to be in front of the leg. And the same sort of application would apply to the turn of haunches. You can make it smaller or larger depending on, on the horse. Yeah, I think that's that's really important. You have to 
uh, adjust each and every exercise for your horse's uh, unique way of going and how you want to improve it. So, I mean, if you think about, you know, the turn on the haunches or the turn on the forehand, if your horse is, is behind the leg, I mean, it, it's not useful to stop them, turn them, send them forward, stop <laughs> right. them, turn them, send them forward. I mean, it's just, you're not, you're technically doing the exercises, but you're not thinking about it in terms of what is this horse's problem, right? And so I think, uh, you know, right. as you as you ride each and every horse, you have to think about the exercises, but, you know, kind of focus on what is this horse's issue. And so I think every horse has a little little issue with either, you know, um, not moving off the leg enough or not moving off the rein enough. So, you know, you can figure out which which one your horse is and then do either turn on the forehand or, or turn on the haunches. And, and what I like to do is determine, okay, is this a lazy horse or a not lazy horse? Is this a horse that doesn't move off my leg or does it not move off my rein? And then basically trot, try to trot in a straight line off of the wall, walk, and then, you know, kind of do the turn as, as a walking exercise and then go back to trot. That's how I would encourage a horse right. to engage and, and go more forward in, in, in these things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do the sure. same exercise as well. I think this is such a good way to think about it. And I think it's a nice way too with young horses to to teach them without feeling that they're on the spot. Because a technical turn yeah. on the forehand is done with not motion forward. But it, to do that is really, they can, it can really block them. And it can block a lot of horses. Yeah. And especially yeah. if they're being a little tricky because they're sore or they, they have trouble moving in that particular direction. So... I, I do the exact same thing, call it a moving turn, in, turn on the forehand and explain it. And sometimes I do it more in a 10 meter circle, but I keep it mm -hmm. again, keep it big, you know, so that the horses feel like they can move and bend. Um, I think it's a really, really helpful exercise. And, you know, again, it's that whole idea of modifying everything. It's kind of like a math problem. Think about it. Like if you can't do a super advanced math problem, then you learn the same concept with a little bit easier problem. And it's yeah. the same, same thing that you're doing with the horses. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Emily, this was such a great tip. We hope everybody uses it literally on a daily basis. Cause it sounds like we all do. <laughs> <laughs> and how can our listeners find you online? So you can find me on uh, social media and um, on Facebook and Instagram under my, uh, my name, my business name, Emily Donaldson Dressage. And I do have a website, which, um, is uh, a little dated, but <laughs> it exists. <laughs> EmilyDonaldsonDressage.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Emily, and ha have a great summer. Thank you. You too. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. We try to w work through them and, and try to answer your questions as quickly as we can and with the best people we can. So keep them coming. We love it. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, DressageRadio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is through Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I want to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, The Murdoch Method, and Trust Design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk next week. Mm -hmm.